Good afternoon, church. Why, why don't we pray? Father God, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that oh, your presence is so good. Your presence is so good. I love your presence, Lord. I thank you for this house. I thank you for Oikos. Lord, I just pray for a blessing of your favor and your hedge of protection to be over this house. God, I thank you for this house, this unique house. And Lord, I just um, commit this time into your hands. I thank you that this is your time, that you want to celebrate with your people, that you're not interested in another religious ceremony, that you, you had enough of that, the thousands of years of that, God. No, what you're interested in is individuals who hear your voice, individuals who know your voice, individuals who want to know more, who want to interact more with you. So, Lord, we want to interact with you today. We don't want to hear from, from any, any human being, God. And I just really pray and dedicate my mouth as a faculty for your word to go forth. And may your scripture changes, convict our hearts, and may godly sorrow doth lead to repentance. But, Lord, uh, we thank you that, that your joy is in every word that you speak to us. So I just pray for every heart here from the left to the right, from the back to the front, for every influence that is not of you, every idea, every um, ideology to be broken in Jesus' name so that we can hear those who have ears to hear. May we hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Uh, good, yeah, good afternoon. Uh, as, uh, as our host said, um, is, he, is he okay? Does he need... trying to decide if that was the work of the Holy Spirit or sleep apnea, but I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, my name's Joe, and I just want to, I don't know where my wife is. Oh, she's, my toddler is, okay, so I, my beautiful wife, Karis, is escaping because my toddler is making too much noise, and uh, my daughter's name is Evelyn, and I have a son, he's not here, otherwise he'd probably be running on stage and taking the microphone from me, so there's probably a net positive. Uh, I just wanted to thank uh, Pastor Dext and um, the leadership, thank you so much for uh, trusting me with the pulpit. Um, and I would give a shout out to Gish, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going through puberty again. I'd give a shout out to Gisham and Kartika, who is how we're connected to this house. And uh, yeah, we really love them and I had the privilege and honor of spending a little bit of time with TNT, TNT. It's very explosive. So I spent a little bit of time with the TNT team. That's a bit of a mouthful. And they're awesome. And, and I just want to employ you, you know, this is not an insignificant small church. This is not something that is overlooked in, the, in, in God's plan. It's, you know, a very special a manifestation of the presence of God, uh, not just in this meeting, but when I had the privilege of spending a little bit of time with TNT. So it's, it's an honor to be here, and I really mean that. And thank you so much uh, for the team for uh, trusting me with this, uh, with this moment. Okay. So what, what is it that, that God laid on my heart for, for Oikos? In this season, I don't know where you're at, um, what struggles you've been through as a church, what you've had to pioneer and do to get to the sec second year mark. But all I can say is, is that the, the Lord gave me um, a, a conviction to just really speak to you about the wilderness. And it's not, it's, it probably won't sound like the most encouraging word to begin with, but bear with me. 
don't stone me just yet. So uh, the, the passage that, that I'm going to read from in a minute, and I need to get myself sorted because I, I, I need my laptop. I'm, uh, forgive me for being addicted to my MacBook, but just give me a second. All right. The main passage that we're going to be exploring today, we're going to start in Numbers 13 and then kind of go on to Numbers 14. But uh, before I do that, I just want to quickly just give a bit of context to why uh, to who I am and, and, and why I'm talking about the wilderness. So, uh, so I'm I born and raised in Perth, and I've been kind of been around uh, the Christian scene for most of my life. Uh, and I'm 33 now. I know I look 15, but, you know, that's just the Chinese genes, right? And, and my, my wife is forever 21, of course. So I think uh, I've been kind of yeah around the, the religious scene for a very long time being been in been in uh, independent charismatic churches and being around the Trasbenian youth group and all the rest of it and my own testimony is that for a lot of my life I got really sick of religion and there was just this thing that was frustrating to me about the disconnect between what I observed in my own life and in the life of my family, being from a minister's family, as, and I'll just call it as it is, I just want to be real with you, right, as hypocrisy compared to what I was reading in the Bible. And, and this is, and I feel this is so relevant to this word, and I believe that this is an encouraging word because the wilderness is something I think that we can all relate to. And the very specific wilderness I want to talk about is that we're going to explore today is the wilderness that God led his people, the Israelites, into after they came out of Egypt. And it's, the, the wilderness itself is, is something that always carries with it a, a negative connotation. It always carries with it something of a, a precondition of thinking about punishment, right? So you, don't, you don't hear somebody stand in the pulpit and say, you know, today we're going to talk about the wilderness. And you don't get this, you know, hallelujah, amen, brother, yeah, wilderness kind of, um, kind of resounding sound. And there's a reason for that because the wilderness in Hebrew, let's do a little bit of a word study. You know what the word means? It's a desert, right? So it's literally the desert. And as, as Aussies, and for those of you who've been brought up here, man, we're familiar with the desert, right? Yeah, it's true blue Aussies, right? The desert, there's nothing there. And it's this place. So this is the context that I want to talk to you about today, is that as Christians, we sometimes get led to the desert. And sometimes we get led to the desert and we have no idea why we're there and there's no GPS signal, we've lost our phone and it's really confusing. And I want to address that because I believe that the wilderness as a, as a metaphor for our Christian walk is that there are different areas in our lives where we will experience cyclical wildernesses or deserts. And our Lord Jesus himself was one such man and it says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. I, need a, I just need to pray before I go any further. Father, I really ask that the word that you want to speak comes out and I, I can just get out of the way in Jesus' name. And you better say amen because that's good for you if I get out of the way. Amen. All right. Let's do this. 
If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Numbers 13. So I'm going to, I, I'm going to paint a picture of, of where the Israelites came from and, and where they're at. And we're, we're picking up from verse 27. And the context of this is, is real simple, is that the Israelites have been set free, right? They've been slaves for a long time. And at this juncture, they've come through, they've seen a, a ton of miracles, and they're at this, at this point where they, can, where they can just taste and see the promise that God is going to give them, right? The blessing is just over the horizon. And God asks Moses to send some people to go spy it out. And you probably are familiar with this story. But in verse, chapter 13, verse 27, it says this, Thus they told him, so the spies have come back, and I'm just kind of flying through this, and said, We went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Time out, I'm going to pause. And then he lists a bunch of names about the people who occupy that land. These people have just come through the wilderness and it wasn't a very long journey, right? And at this point, this is where the promises of God, every good thing that they've, been, that they've been hankering for in their heart, or you would think so, is just over the horizon. And so I, what I want to explore today is the fact that you've probably heard this many times as a metaphor for our Christian walk, but Egypt often represents, you know, when we were, before we knew God, right? When we were in sin and when we were in metaphorical bondage. And the wilderness is often looked at as this like transitionary period that we just have to get out of. It's kind of like just on the road. It's the highway to get home. It's the highway to get to this promised land. I really need the milk and I really need the honey. And this, this road in between just, just feels oftentimes, and myself included, feels kind of irrelevant. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to stay there, right? And so it's, this, it's at this juncture that, that we're, we're entering. It's that, okay, yeah, we got past the well, That's great. We've gotten, rid of, we've gotten rid of our sin, so to speak. We've gotten rid of the Egyptians in our lives. But then... They get to this place and they say, look, it sounds great. The promise of God is here. But man, there are a bunch of tall bullies in the land. There are so many things here that I just don't, I just don't think we can do it. And at this, Caleb, so I want to pick up from there. And then verse 30 says this, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. And that word bad is, is, is in Hebrew is evil. So they gave an evil report right, of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. So clearly somebody speaking had an inferiority complex. But 
I just want to talk, you know, many sermons have been preached on this, this topic, right? And, and usually it's about, you know, like you have the, have the spirit of Joshua and Caleb and, you know, go forth and conquer the land. And, and that's great. And that's all good, right? I, I mean, I don't know how many times in the, in the early 90s and, and you know, on, on CBN or the, the Christian network, my parents were playing 24-7 that I heard sermons like that, right? And therefore you should tithe seven, you know, 70, 77 times 7 times 7, 7 of your tithe so that you can have the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. And so it's usually wrapped up in this, you know, like really macho, really, really exciting. Like, yeah, go get it. Go get after it. But man, I really believe that the posture of Moses and, and Joshua and Caleb is, is not one of, of just being really gung-ho and, and just being really super enthusiastic. So they think that they can just win this battle. No, no. I think that the wilderness is a period. The wilderness is something that did something so profound in their heart. Something so profound that it broke their heart that they understood how weak they are, but they understood how great their God is. You see, the wilderness often provokes two responses. And so for, for many of the Israelites, for the 10 spies, so I just want to contrast this for you. 10 of them came and gave an evil report. Can I just say, if you get an evil report card, right? Like, let's just imagine that as a Chinese dad, my son comes home and he says, hey, dad, I got an evil report card. Now, let me explain to you as a Chinese man, I'm, I'm basically a white guy, right? I'm Aussie. But... If my father, if his granddad heard that when I was a kid, man, there would be a reckoning. There would be so much quoting of scripture out of context. I can't even imagine what would happen to that young boy. And evil, it's not even, hey, I had a bad report card. Like my ATAR was, you know, like, yeah, I was aiming for 85, but, you know, I got 84. No, no, no. It's like, man, you know what? I got an evil report card. It said that I didn't even turn up to the exam, even though you invested in all my tuition. It's evil. It has a moral quality to it. Do you understand? Why is this relevant and why am I shouting you so much? I'm shouting because the wilderness provokes a response that can lead you to believe that God wants evil in your life. They knew the promise. They understood this is not news to them. They didn't rock up after, you know, it's not like the 10 spies were like, hey man, why are we here? Like, hey, why did we, why did we get out of slavery? I'm really confused. No, there's not, like, it's not as if it's, oh, hey, this is a surprise holiday trip to go, to go attack the Canaanites. There had been an oral tradition of generations about the promise to their father, Abraham. And then furthermore, these 10 spies who would have been the chosen leaders of their tribes would have had the ability, the cognitive ability and the seniority to know every thing that, Mo, that God had spoken to Moses to lead them to that juncture. So when they gave an evil report, they weren't just saying, man, those giants look way taller than us and I don't feel like getting beaten up today. No, they were saying, man, that promise that, that I heard about, I don't really believe that God wants good for me. I don't really believe that God wants good for me. And what did Satan say to Eve? Did God really say? <laughs> he didn't say. The devil doesn't come to you and go, hey, hey, sister, you know what you should do? You should really start taking crystal meth. 
Like he doesn't do that. Well, at least he hasn't said that to me lately. And, and so I think, and, and, and forgive me, don't worry, Pastor Dex, the, the devil isn't in regular conversation with me. I need prayer. So, but the devil is, is very attractive and, and he's alluring. And sometimes he talks Christianese. Sometimes he uses the leaven of the Pharisees. Sometimes he's so seductive, you don't even realize that you're thinking something and it looks religious, it looks good, but it's hollow on the inside. And these 10 spies have said, yeah, man, you know what we should do? I got a really good idea and I'm going to read it out to you because it's, it's brilliant. Their plan was brilliant. Then all the congregation, chapter 14, verse 1, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept. They, I, I need to sit down. They didn't, they didn't just, they, okay, time out, time out. First of all, 10 spies give an evil report, even though they have the promise of God, right? Then furthermore, they rile up their people so much that they cause them to cry. They're like, they're weeping, they're lamenting. They're like, oh no, oh my goodness, we got set free from sin. Oh, you remember the miracle of the Red Sea? I don't care about that. Oh no, we're here. And those people are really tall. They were so convinced that they were in trouble, so convinced that they rebelled. All the sons of Israel, so the women were okay. Yeah, it just said sons, the daughters. Thank God for the daughters of Zion. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And I just want to give thank you so much. I did, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm 10 minutes in. I really lost my voice. So here's the deal, right? If I lose my voice, sister, you've got to preach. Okay, is that okay? Thank you. She's good for it. Just make it up. It's fine. Just say the answer is Jesus. So all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And this is not the first time they grumbled, right? And the whole congregation said to them, oh, this is so good. Would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or even better, there's option B. Oh, would that we had died in this wilderness? Oh, man. Oh my goodness. And lest I think that I'm any better than them, I've lived periods of my life where I haven't gotten what I wanted from God and I thought that He didn't want good for me and that was my wilderness and God was trying to speak a word to me and I didn't listen and I was ready to give up. Last time I did that, I spilled water everywhere. So I'm glad that didn't happen this time. Praise the Lord. Providence of God is strong in this place. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? You can eat, you can eat, like nearly hear the sarcasm. Good job, Moses. Got the Ten Commandments, but we're going to die anyway. Man, our wives and our little ones will become plunder. So it's all dressed up in this. Oh, you know, like I want to. I just want to protect my wife and my kids. Leave me alone. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So this is, this is great. So they said to one another, you know what? Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Forget the one God gave us. Forget the miracles. Forget the blessings. This is a little bit too hard. Bit of context. You know, the reason that, the reason that God subsequently got so furious with his people is because this is not the first time they complained. And in fact, the complaining continues and the trajectory and, you know, the, the story of, of the Israeli people is, is so heartbreaking in the fact that 
And it's so reminiscent of our own walk, right? It's just that we're in such a land of plenty now that it's not that we're, we're going after the milk and honey. It's, it's just that we're going after so many other things that, that they might even sound and look good, but we don't understand it. And what I want to say here is that in, in Numbers 11, they, and I have to read this out. In Numbers 11, we understand where the mind of, of, of the Israelis were at because they were super upset that they did not have meat. And specifically, they were grumbling, complaining about Moses. because Why? Because of this one thing. Because in the wilderness, there was no fish and cucumber or garlic and leek. And the thing that they said is that we remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. Hey, bro, you know why it costs nothing? Because you're a slave. They're not paying you a minimum wage. So they're giving you fish and cucumber so you can make the pyramids. But when they're in the wilderness and when the destiny of God is on their lives, man, this is too hard. And it's really interesting that they said at no cost, at no cost, at no cost, Pastor, at no cost. I, I respect pastors so much, man. It's just crazy. At no cost. Church, can I be real? Let us not be believers that enter the wilderness when it's the will of God and then say to him, why does this cost me anything? At no cost. They wanted to go from point A to point B. You know, in our efficiency and social media driven world, we're so obsessed with, with getting from A to B so quickly. Hey, how can we get as many people into the building for Alpha Course as we can? Like, I'm not against Alpha Course. I'm not against with packing the building. But can I just say something? Is that the gospel was always preached to the individual soul. And Jesus didn't say, oh, he's going to leave the 99 to go after the 9,000. He said, I'm going to leave the 91, 99, 91. Good grief. Who is this person preaching? What is this theology at? I'm going to leave the 99 to go after the one. Because the one always mattered to God. Do you understand? And it costs something. It always costs something. But the message is very simple. It's worth it. If you forget anything that this crazy man has shouted today, just remember this. No matter what your difficulty may be, no matter what your wilderness is right now, just remember that as long as you have a true word, a sure word from the Lord, and these people did. It's for real, bro. It's for real, my sister. It's not made up. Yes, it's difficult. So was going to the cross. Make disciple, I'm I going, I just not even preaching from my notes. Look, here's the deal. It's real simple. With our time on earth, and there's no guarantee, right? There's no guarantee. But with whatever breath we have, whatever talents we may have been given, we must make disciples of all men and women. We must love sacrificially. We must give. We must pour out our life. And as Paul said when he got to the end, and I love his letters to his churches and to Titus. And this, this is, I, I, 
I just love what comes out of his words and his writing. It's like he wanted a, to, when he's writing to Timothy and he's, he's talking about that he's coming to the end and I think he knows he's going to be executed. And he just writes that he wants to be poured out and he doesn't, he doesn't want anything left of himself. And he wants to pour himself out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got to be honest with you. I, you know, when I was growing up as a teen, I, I grew up very, very, um, very, very conscious of what people thought of me. And, and the, the number one thing that I realized, and, and I've got to speed this up because we're going to finish, we've got to finish on time, but is that I realized that I needed the wilderness in my life. So my teens and my 20s, I'm 33 now. It's only really been, not uncoincidentally, marrying my wife and, and having two children that God has used godly trials and, and the wilderness <laughs> In work in, in particular and, and also in my, in my personal life, not, not from my wife, let, let's be clear, but, um, but issues with, you know, dealing with issues with in my parents and, and things, unforgiveness and these things that we don't really want to talk about, right? Because we're too holy. And I, in reflection, I realized that every breakthrough that I had to, to get closer to God, not to have a ministry breakthrough or whatever, no, 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 but in terms of actual encounters with God and, and hearing the voice of God through His Scripture, it came because of the cycles of the wilderness that I allowed God to shape me. Kicking and screaming, mind you. I was one of the grumbling ones, okay? I was like, man, God, it would be so much easier if I just had the free cucumber. But I was a slave to sin, Right? It's like, I just want the easy way out. I want it to be comfortable. But, but at what expense? At the expense of your soul. I want to give a, a tangible example and, and um, to, to just make this a bit real. Because it's, you know, wilderness. It's so conceptual. It's like, uh, well, you know, like, what are you talking about? I'm just, I'm just you know, an air-conditioned room. Okay. For me, I really, in, in two, two ways, I, I, I've, I hit a wall in the last couple of years. And, and this, this is my wilderness. My wilderness recently is I, I changed job and, and now I work for, um, uh, for Deloitte in, um, in consulting. It. And it was, uh, I was, when I first started last year, there was, I, I didn't realize this, but I was overly indexed to care about what my new bosses thought, right? I was, and it's not because of finance. I, I ne- I've never, by the grace of God, my wife and I have, we've been very blessed, but we've never had an issue in our heart of, of, of giving to God. I'm not saying that to be holy. That's just, it's just a fact, right? It's like, it's not a, it's not a commendation. So it wasn't about finances and it wasn't about anything else. But I started this job and I was so desperate to impress, like so desperate. And I, and I dressed it up in, oh, I have to have the spirit of excellence. And so I would like work, uh, my wife can testify to this, I would work like, I don't know, every, literally like after the kids are in bed, I would just be up till midnight every night and just working. Like I would be, I'd be working on the bus, like sending emails to my team. I'd be, I'd just be constantly working, like just all the time. And then sometimes I would visit somebody from Vibe. But anyway, the point is, is that I would, I just invested my whole heart into this. And, and I was convinced it was holy. Like convinced. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm going to be an influence in the marketplace. And yeah, like, you know, you know like it's so great. And like I'll have a great testimony about how the Lord moves. And, and then meanwhile, I'm just focused on my career. Why am I talking about this? Is because I hit a wall. And I hit a wall when bad stuff happened and I didn't get stuff done. And I wasn't able to deliver even though I was giving every inch. I really, really was giving every inch of my soul. I was researching on the web. I was doing LinkedIn learning. I'd never been so diligent in my life. Really. 
because I was a terrible student, so it's not a hard, hard bar, right? But, and, and I remember I'm um, just complaining, and, and I remember having that stress in my heart and mind, and I would be talking, and I externally process. If you don't, if you're, um, if you're not clear on my personality type yet, I do the, those tests, and I come out as like 101% extroverted. So I was like constantly externally processing to my wife, right? It's not a good move. And, and so I was just like complaining to her. I was mumbling and like, you know, it must have just sounded like cucumber and fish, cucumber and fish. And I was just like, oh, you know, like my boss needs this and like, I've got to give bad news. And I was just kind of trying to come to grips with my emotional fragility at the time. And I remember at once she just had an, and, and we had a, a couple of friends over from um, who we were supposed to be supporting and talking to about ministry from FCC. And, and, um, and I just complained to them about about my job and that was the that was the straw that broke that camel's back let me tell you marriage is for happiness and holiness and so my wife and god bless my wife i love her so much because she she is she just she just says it as it is and that is the 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 greatest man if you have an issue with your wife maybe it's because you have an issue in your soul and and i remember i was complaining and she just and and instead of you know and i you know i've I have like a high opinion of myself. Like I, you know, I still put the, the kids to bed as if that's such a great, I still wash some of the dishes when I remember to. And yet I'm, you know, working so hard. Like this is my head, right? I'm not saying this. And then she's just like, I remember we're in bed that one night and she just looks at me and she goes, stop. T-. Like I, something to the effect of stop talking. I'm like, huh? What? Something in, in like unintelligible came out of my mouth, and it was not tongues. And I think, um, and she just looked at me, and she goes, "Go outside and pray." Oh man, what a boss! <laughs> Thanks, babe. Where is she, by the way? She's like in the back. Oh, there she is. I can see it there. Thanks, honey. And so she, yeah, she literally. That's she, she said. She just go pray. And I was like. Oh. And in the past, I've argued with my wife, like full disclosure. We've nearly been married, I don't know, nearly 10. I forget, whatever. Anyway, 2000s, right? It's like something, something, something. I think I might have a similar conversation with her and I stopped talking. So nearly, I think, coming up to nine years or something. Anyway, the point is, I went outside. I, I, I felt the conviction of the wife and the Holy Spirit and I went outside to pray. Pastor, what, I, I need to finish in five minutes here. Yeah? Oh man, it's, I'm going to pay for that if I go over time. So the, the moral of the story is listen to your wife. And so I went outside and I knelt down and prayed and I was just praying and saying, God, you know, would you help me? And here's the deal is that, you know, I pray selfish prayers, surprise. And it's like, oh Lord, give me favor. Give me favor with and using, I don't know why I'm using that voice. And it's like, give me favor with, um, you know, with my bosses. And oh Lord, would you, would you silence the, the voice of the enemy? Right? Because it was very political in my workplace. And, and literally the people on my team who, who would, um, who would, who would, who shall go unnamed and they would like others to look bad so that they can get a promotion. It's, it's quite competitive. And so I was like, oh, you know, like, Lord, I want to be, I want to be virtuous, but, but those evil people who say bad things about me, would you silence them? And, and you know what the conviction of the Holy Spirit was? It was like, who cares? Like legit, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I was like, it's like, get thee behind me, Satan. And it was like, but that, that heaviness and, and you know, you know, I'm bad sheep, no voice. And I was like, oh man, I'm doing something wrong. And, and in my heart at that moment, 
doing like 60 to 80 hours a week, week on week on week on week, hitting the wall, not being able, thinking that I was doing the right thing. I'll be a leader in the marketplace and then, you know, I'll talk to Pastor Benny and then, you know, we'll, we'll launch a series and platform. Well, that's such nonsense, right? And then it's like, and I'm failing. Like the one thing I thought, oh, you know, like maybe this is my contribution to the kingdom of God is to be really awesome. <sighs> nope, it's to be really broken. And my heart just broke and I just cried and, and God revealed to me that I was vain. I was vain, no other reason. And he said to me, and, and the, the, the conviction of my heart was from Jeremiah 17, 9, which is the heart is deceitful above all else. Like above all, it's not just, hey, the heart is deceitful a little bit on the horizon. Nope, above all else. Hey, it gets better and desperately sick. And who can understand it? But I, the Lord, search your heart. You see, the issue with this is that when we're in the wilderness, when we're hitting a wall, when we're upset with our pastor, when we're upset with our parents for telling us what to do, if we're upset with people, when there's conflict of our lives, sometimes, brothers and sisters, it's from God to allow us to realize what's really going on. Because our emotions and our thoughts are not self-evident to us. What it means is I can feel something, but it doesn't mean I understand it. And so for the Israelites, they're in the wilderness and they're going through this journey. But every checkpoint along the way, they're complaining because they don't understand what Moses understood. They don't understand that the presence of God, that the relationship with the Abba Father was more important than the promised land. Moses spent his entire leadership, talk about worldly failure. He spent his entire leadership ministry outside the promised land he never got there in the world setting that's called a failure but to God he was like I spoke to him face to face check that's good that is good do you understand I mean God speaking to me face to face I mean, even with the blood of Christ, I'd be terrified, like legit, just terrified because I know how unworth my righteousness is but filthy rags. So I was praying there and it was another moment where I realized my righteousness is filthy rags and I'm just weeping before God and, and I'm just vain. And, and specifically, it's, I cared so much about my reputation because anyway, it, was, it just mattered so much to me what other people thought. Like, I mean... Wow, I thought I got over that in high school, but no. You see, the issue with pride and the, the issue with, with hidden things, everything, I believe everything is to do with identity, which is why we're made in the image of God. It's the very thing that Satan tries to attack. And the war is always between truth and lies. It's very simple. So he speaks a lie and it's insidious and then it undermines our belief in what the scripture says. That's it. And so the promise of God sometimes can look too hard because... Sometimes there's a price to pay, but that price is our things that we don't need, brothers and sisters. It's our reputation. Sometimes it's things that, that look good. It's, it's quote-unquote having a successful church, having a successful ministry, and having our name attached to it. Sometimes it's good grades because we want other people to know what a good kid we were, Also desperate for approval from others, or it's getting into a sports team. I don't know, whatever it is for you. And here's the joke. 
Here's the deal. My testimony is that when, when I genuinely, okay, so I have to close the loop on, on, on my wife, right? So I, so I pray that and I go back into the room and she just looks at me and she's like, so? And I'm like, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I'm vain. You know what her response is? Yeah, I knew that already. I needed the Holy Spirit to tell you. <laughs> Praise God for wives, right? It's legit. And can I just say, oh, I'm not such a great husband. You know, like rewind early on in our marriage. I would just fought her tooth and claw. I would have gone into a theological debate with my wife. To what end? Because the husband always loses. So it's, it really is, it's insidious. But the wilderness exposes what's really going on in our heart. And what was really going on for the Israelites was, I just... Even, even if I have, it, this is the ridiculous thing. Even if I'm a slave and building the pyramids, I, I just want the cucumbers because they don't, someone gives it to me and I don't have to take responsibility. True repentance comes out of taking responsibility for what are temptations that actually come from our own heart. You know, the book of James says that don't say that God tempted you. No, 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 no. Or like Cain, who had an unworthy offering. Now, there's very little, there's very little um, explanation as to what made it unworthy. And there's all sorts of theories. But the sum result is this. That God looks at Cain. Remember Cain and Abel? Brother kills his own brother. It's a big deal. And he says, why are you so downcast? Or like, why do you look so depressed, Cain? You know the rules of the game, bro. If you do well, I'll accept you. And if you do not, sin's crouching, hidden. What's that, What's that old movie again? None of these young people are going to know it. Yeah. Crouching tiger, hidden dragon. is at your door and he's about to open up a can of whoop ass. If you let him. It's a choice. I'm, allowed to, I'm sorry. I'm allowed to say that here. I think I'm, ne- I'm not going to get invited back in. That's okay. That's all right. As long as God spoke to you, right? Look. What's my point? My point is very simple. The wilderness is going to expose what you really, what's really going on in your heart. And can I tell you, it's ugly. It's, it's ugly. It just is. It's, it was ugly for me. And that's just one example, right? I'm vain. There's a couple of other ones that I won't go into right now. And, but for each and every one of us, the way to progress, the way to seize the promise of God is not to run away from the pain, is not to run away from the challenge because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to run away from the God-given challenge. Can I just encourage you? If God has given you a word, if you have experienced any comfort of His love in the presence of God, go and put yourself out there to be uncomfortable. Allow God in your wilderness to challenge you. And sometimes it's not super exciting. Sometimes it's the voice of your wife saying, stop talking and go pray. Sometimes it's asking your parents for forgiveness for all that rebellious stuff that you never told them about. Sometimes it's apologizing to your pastor for undermining him in a meeting and you did it in a sneaky way, but you're still kind of clean because nobody noticed, but it's eating at your heart. 
Sometimes it's the sinister ways of a heart that only God can expose through a desert. When you're hitting the wall, you're working real hard, but you aren't getting anywhere. You're in a place where you think you know the equation to success, but it's not giving you the results. There's disappointment. But can I encourage you to wait on the Lord, to seek Him for a word and then obey. That's it. And then your breakthrough will come. I'm going to close on this, and I just did not get through any of my notes, but it's that the wilderness humbles us. And this is a very unpopular part of, you know, I used to be terrified of whole portions of the scripture, I'll be honest, because I approached the Bible with, with the, my glasses of dysfunction and fear. And so every time I read about trials, every time I read about things that were challenging to me, or that personally attacked me. I would run away from it and just go to scriptures that were more comforting. Say, oh, you know, like I've never seen the children of the righteous beg for bread. And I would go to the New Testament because it just made more sense to my mind. But can I encourage you is that the wilderness is not to punish you. It's to refine you. And it's to give you a shaped heart that is able to contain the word that he wants to propel you to your destiny. Do you understand? It's like some of us want that destiny so bad. We want, we want to be known. We want to start preaching from the pulpit. We want something that is outwardly uh, facing. But God is just saying, no, I know that that, that would just destroy you. That there's something in your heart that I need to deal with first. When you are able to submit to the wilderness, this is, the, this is and, I, and I promise I'm going to end on this, this is the most beautiful thing, is that you can have some serious joy and some serious fulfillment even in the desert places because your reliance is not on what you can do. Your reliance is not on what your church members think about you. Your reliance is not on your bank account, how popular you are, whether or not your ex-boyfriend is still following your posts or notices that you're really pretty now. Nope. It is totally dependent on the manna from heaven, the Word of God. When that, when you're in a place where the presence of God and a word from God fulfills, fills your heart, I can tell you that you will begin to see God move outwardly in your life. But God needs to move inwardly in the desert places before He moves outwardly. The last thing I want to say is this because it didn't end there. You know, I, like the whole vanity thing, it's just one example, but this is the joke. When you, let go of the things that you think you need so desperately. God is actually able to operate in those areas. And I'm not saying that I'm superstar in, in my work or, or whatever, but the point of the matter is that I'm working, I'm working more judiciously, I'm working less. And the fruit of what I'm doing is so much more significant. And since that, that juncture in, in, in turning of my heart, um, I've, they've been... It, and an inordinate amount of my team and people, um, younger consultants who have, who I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel to. And God really reminded me that your idea of serving me at work, of being excellent and, you know, becoming a partner or whatever, and then, and then having this, this amazing testimony to tell all the Christians, oh, it's so wonderful. The Lord can bless you in the marketplace too. He says, no, that's nonsense. He said, I want you to disciple day, be faithful every day. And I've got to tell you, it's just to love the individuals that God has already placed in your life. And I've had 
I've had at least five people in my team in the short amount of time that I've been there that have either directly heard the gospel because they've like literally asked me about my faith or organically it's just come up. And, and let's not forget why we're here yet. And the desert place has a huge amount of power to do that. I just want to pray for you quick. Thanks, our worship team. Thank you, Matt. You guys are awesome. Really love you guys. Yeah, the worship team is just going to lead us in, um, um, in, in a bridge. But I just want to pray for you. And then I, I, want, to, I want to give you space to, to respond to the, to the word today. Father, I just thank you that you don't want to punish. You don't want to beat down on your people. You were so desperate that the Israelites would get the message. You were so desperate because you loved them. You, you just wanted them to care more about your presence than, than the promised land. And I just really ask today that if there are hidden things in my heart, hidden things in, in, in anybody here in Oikos, Lord, that you would reveal to us what are the hidden dark places, what are the things that we cannot see in our own. Holy Spirit, would you begin to move right now and speak your word, convict hearts, and move us closer to what you desire for us in Jesus' name.